Pilate himself is in a little trouble. He's a Roman official, sure, but he's been given a very short leash. And the last thing that Pontius Pilate needs is for all this Jesus stuff to blow up under his watch. Because if all these people around Jesus start getting crazy, start yelling, start making a a mess, things could get very bad for him. And so picture then maybe all what's going through his mind as now Jesus has been brought before him. And he's trying to figure out, what in the world am I going to do with this guy? If I do too much this way, the people are going to go nuts. If I do too much this way, my boss is going to go nuts. And that could be really bad for me either way. So here Pontius Pilate is having this conversation with Jesus. Conversations are a big part of the book of John, you'll see. And a very meaningful conversation. And he asked Jesus a question that I think is very important for us today. He asked him, what have you done. Now, considering the context, I like to think of that question another way that seems a little more uh, fitting for what's going on, maybe what's in Pilate's mind. As Pilate is thinking about Jesus being dragged in here, all these officials are yelling things about him and they're trying to take care of him. As Pontius, Pontius Pilate has this guy in front of him, he's thinking, man, brother, what in the world did you do to get here? Maybe one side of them is, please tell me so I don't end there myself. But as a, as a leader, as someone that people report to, tell me what in the world, if you're this king that everybody, that you say you are, how in the world did you get here? Because I don't want to be here myself. How in the world did you get here? Now this is going to come as a shock for many of you, but I grew up a, how can I put this, um, as, a, as a know-it-all. I grew up as someone um, who thought they were right a whole lot of the time. I grew up that smart aleck that none of us really liked, right? Thank you for not confirming that. <laughs> yeah. I grew up a lot of questions, and as I was growing up and I was learning more about myself and learning more about the world, there were a lot of things that when it comes to this Christian stuff, this church stuff, that one, I didn't agree with, and two, I couldn't stand. See things on TV that just rubbed me the wrong way. Saw other people that I just couldn't, I couldn't mesh it all together. It didn't make sense, and I certainly didn't appreciate it. This Christian stuff. That didn't mean in our household that we didn't talk about God or God wouldn't uh, there. We were always taught that God's everywhere. You look here, God's on your shoulder. You look here, God, God's everywhere. But none of that really mattered to me because it didn't make sense to me. Couldn't understand it. Couldn't put it down. Couldn't explain it. And so imagine then some of the, if you want to call it distress that I feel, I started going out with this girl whose mom said, look, if he can follow you around this place to this place to this place, he can follow you to church, too. Man, the things you do for love, right? So I started going to church. Let me just put it this way. Boring does not begin to explain 
at what church was like for me. If this would have been my church, I think I would have had a field day because I've counted, got all these tiles you can count. And then when you're done with the tiles, look at all the bricks, y'all. We could just, we could go on for years. That was the summation of my church experience. Going to church and, man, it seemed like this lady would pray forever. But at least I got a good nap in, right? Because everybody's bowing their head and closing their eyes and so was I. But I went through all that because that's kind of what I had to do. Huh? But this, um, this feeling of, 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 what would you call it, distrust maybe, this feeling of not understanding and not liking stuff about church, about faith and about God, really came to a climax for me uh, when, when, when Jeremy got sick. Now, Jeremy was a younger brother of mine. What you have to understand about Jeremy is that, in my mind, Jeremy was the perfect human being. He was the perfect person. Certainly, he was the perfect child to have as well. Jeremy, in my mind, could do no wrong. If you spoke to him, everything was yes, sir, no, ma'am. He was so polite. He was so well-mannered. He was so smart. This kid was skipping grades already. But he was just the perfect human being. And so already with my ideas of, uh, of not liking church and everything, when he got sick, when he was diagnosed with leukemia, I began to wonder, well, wait a minute. I'm hearing about all this church stuff. Supposedly this God who is so loving and is so powerful. And if that's true, why is Jeremy where he is and I'm not? I'm not the perfect one. He is. Yeah, okay. Uh, he's skipping school and, and so am I. He's, he's, he's got um, drugs he has to deal with and so do I. Why is he where he is and I'm not where he is? What made all that worse is through that experience with, with Jeremy, uh, my dad came to faith. And I would call my dad, I would talk to him, and he'd just say, you know what, everything's going to be all right. We're just going to trust God. That's what I've learned, and that's what I'm holding to. And I've got to tell you, that just made me sick. <laughs> because Jeremy never got better. Jeremy still had to suffer. Jeremy still passed away. And I still couldn't deal with it. I remember seeing him the, for the very last time in the hospital, and that image of him, his body had, was so puffed up at that time. And I remember hating God. I remember hating Dad, even, for having this belief that this God would let all this happen. How in the world can you still want to go to church, still want to believe in all this nonsense? And so like a lot of people, I think, I sort of held that anger and that pain in uh, for several years. And it all came uh, to a screeching halt few years later. As a side story, I remember going to school every day, every day that I was there, right? Every day. And I remember in the hallway of a teacher, we had a, we had a small little poster that he had received from some bodybuilder. And I happened to know who this bodybuilder was. I was really impressed that he had a personalized autographed uh, poster from this guy. And the guy signed it to, to whoever, Mr. Whoever, and he had a little message. And then he signed it at the very end with his name, and he had a Bible verse at the bottom of the page. And I saw that Bible verse every day that I walked through those halls. 
Well, much like we heard that part of the gospel story uh, this morning, as Jesus is being brought in in that last day of his life. I remember being in that church with all of those, all of those ceiling tiles. And I remember hearing about that story. And some, for some reason, I didn't quite explain it. Um, I can't explain it, even today. Um, it started to make sense. It started to at least not be so hurtful. That if God suffered, maybe we suffer as well. And so I, I, I began to have real strong feelings and trying to figure out what that means. And I can remember sitting in my room one night after going to a, a, a Holy Week church service, wrestling with all that and thinking, okay, well, they keep saying, when you have questions, go to the Bible. Okay, I went to the house and found the Bible somewhere, opened it up, and I'm thinking, well, what in the world am I supposed to read? It's a pretty big book, I'm sure you know. So I thought, okay, what, what is in here for me? What am I supposed to know? And then I thought about it. That verse that I had seen pretty much every day in the hallway. That verse was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And some of you may already know that. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I don't tend to get um, teary-eyed very often. And I'm not going to confess to you that I did that night, but you can use your imagination. Because I felt like, in some strange way that I still can't explain, I had gotten an answer. The person who was so ready to have his own understanding, the person who was so willing to, 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 to be so ambitious to do his own thing because none of this other stuff makes sense. Felt like I got slapped in the face with a real answer that said, I got this. I've got this. Now, as you all know, I've told you before, I hate happily ever after, so I'm not going to tell you that my life has been happily ever after since then, but what I will tell you is this. I have learned what it means to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I have learned what it means to let God direct my paths. And as I think about Jesus being before Pontius Pilate and Pilate asked him, what in the world did you do to get here? Well, friends, all that is what got me here today. All of that God began to use in different ways. And I share that story with you for two reasons. One, because it's an important part of who I am as a person, and even as a minister. But I also share it because we all have a story. And we should tell our story. Our story is ours. Our story is a part of who we are. Our story is a part of how we've experienced God. We all have a story, and I'm convinced that we need to tell that story more often, Jesus had a story. What did you do, Jesus? How in the world did you get here? Pilate asked him. And Jesus, he has this roundabout way of saying things. He said, well, this is how. My kingdom is not from here. And I think when Jesus said that, as we read that response, we're supposed to have in our mind, okay, yeah, that's true. Um, because Jesus did things differently. 
Jesus loved people who other people weren't willing to love. Jesus said things that other people weren't willing to say. Jesus did things differently. For him, that's what got him here that day. But the point is, he had a story. And we all know that story, don't we? Meaningful story. It's a story that teaches us. It's a story that needs to be told. And the reality is, you and I have a story to tell as well. We've had experiences where we know God has pulled us through. We've been taught things about our struggles. God has shown us things. God has shown up to us. Why it is that we think we need to keep that to ourselves just baffles me. Somewhere in the church, somebody said, well, that's just not proper to talk about those things. And friends, that is a very sad thing that has happened. Because when we learn to share our story, in part, one of the things we do is we remind the other people around us that they're not alone. That they're not the only ones who struggle. That maybe I've struggled just like you have. And that maybe with God's help, we can do this together like we were created to do. Instead of, well, I've got my life, you've got yours, and we need, to, we need to keep it that way. That's not how God created us to be. We all have a story. We should share that story. We should be able to talk about how God pulled us through. We should be able to talk about answered prayers, maybe even unanswered prayers. We should be able to share that with each other in meaningful, life-giving ways. What about our children? Do our children know why faith is so important to us? Or do they just know they better hurry up and get ready for church? We all have a story to tell. And we need to tell it. My encouragement for you is to think about what you know God has done in your life think about those experiences that you have gone through, or maybe even that you are going through right now. How is it you see God at work? And share that with somebody. They might be the answer to your prayer. They might be the one God is putting into your life to help you, or maybe even the other way around. We all have a story to tell, and we should do what? God gave us his story. We all have ours. And we should tell it. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, we are so thankful to you for the many ways that we know you have carried us, the many ways that you have provided for us and sustained us. And what we ask at this moment, God, is that you would fill us with your love, with your hope, and with your joy. So that as we understand what you've done for us, we could begin to understand more and more how we can love and serve others through what you've done for us. God, we've all experienced pain. We've all know, known what it means to suffer. By your grace, we have come through. So give us the willingness to be your sense of comfort, to be your reminder of hope to other people as we tell our stories every day.
In Jesus' name we pray.